0: Hello everybody, welcome to Street Fight Radio, one of our bonus shows, our special activist edition. I got two special guests today because I'm normally doing these by myself. (laughs) (laughs) These interviews happen before 1 p.m. most of the time, so Brian is not awake. But today, Brian Quinby, my co-host, has joined me, and that's because we have in the studio a very special guest, Morgan Harper. She's running for Ohio's 3rd District, and uh, on a very interesting platform, and uh, is saying a lot of things that I want to hear from politicians, and we wanted to let our Columbus people know you know, what's going on in the state of Ohio, and who your representatives are, uh, so... Welcome to the studio, Morgan.
1: Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah.
2: I wanted to, I wanted to, like, this is the thing I've been thinking about since we found out you were coming on the
1: show. Since you woke up. No, i kidding.
2: But, <laughs> yes, I mean, I did wake up at 12.07 today, which is. Right there in the early times for me, it's usually a little closer to one. But, uh, I, uh, I read, I read your bio Uh on the campaign site and I saw that like the part that like really grabbed me a lot was that you, uh, you got a scholarship to Columbus Academy, which is, like a very big private school here Mm -hmm. and the the thing you took away from it was that everybody deserves that opportunity Mm -hmm. and not that like you uniquely deserved that opportunity yeah definitely wonder what like how did how did that happen? Was it just like just the type of person you are that you thought of that? Or like, <laughs> what, what did it take to get you to think that way?
1: Well, I, I do believe that it connects to the fact that I'm adopted. And when you're adopted, your whole beginning, and I've always known I was adopted, you know, it's random and you don't really feel all that entitled to anything in particular. And that's the mentality I've had. So to have experienced elementary school with a set of good quality people and then I'm the only one that's going to get a scholarship to go into this entirely different type of environment just didn't seem fair to me and also it seems like well it shouldn't really be that your parents are rich that you get to have resources and a quality education and it shouldn't be depend on what neighborhood or school district you're born into this should be everyone that's kind of the point of the American dream right yeah it's not the reality
0: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's frustrating because my daughter is in uh, Columbus Public, but she's in a lottery school, Mm -hmm. which is also a circumstance where I'm like, the kids should all be winners though. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it shouldn't be relying even on, you know, the, the parents to, Take that extra time and figure and, out a system, right, yeah, yeah, fill out all the paperwork, things mm-hmm. like that, um, and I also am grumpy towards the idea of private schools, mm-hmm. like I mean i th- see a lot of the money that's taken away from you know uh my daughter's classmates mm-hmm. and uh funneled into that system, and you reap so many benefits once you're in there mm-hmm. um but so so how are how i mean how do you? What is your platform, I guess, or feelings on public education Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as it relates to those Things. Yeah, I'm
1: a big believer in public education. I mean, and some people are like, but Morgan, doesn't your story kind of betray that, that viewpoint? It's like, no, it, it actually doesn't. I mean, I experienced and my mom did what it took to, in her opinion, as someone who was working in the Columbus, then public, now city school system of, of putting her kids in the best position. But it shouldn't have to be like that. And I'm about systemic change. That's why we're running this race. And I believe that it's best if we have public schools that are uh, equally funded. We already know the way that we fund our public schools through property taxes is unconstitutional now we need some political will to fix that because you know even though yes i got access to a tremendous opportunity and i went on to other schools that are very fancy and private and all of that it's like that fundamental change of having to leave my community to get access to higher opportunity is is not okay and i think it's better when we're able to build community and everyone's invested in similar systems and we make them great for everyone
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right i have a i have a teenage daughter and when she was turning five, like, I lived in the Columbus Public School District, Mm -hmm. and then when she was turning five, I was like... Oh, we got to get out. Like, just at, like, it's not like a thing where you have, you hate the public school system, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. or, or like, if you go to a, like parents freak out about, especially in Columbus, it's part of the like culture of the city. <laughs>
1: it is to freak
2: yeah. out if your kid's going to, going to go mm-hmm, to Columbus yeah. public school. So we moved into Grandview where uh-huh. it's like much smaller classes and all right, that stuff. Yeah. And like, I've thought about that a lot since we did it because mm-hmm. it was like, ah, oh, that maybe wasn't the, right decision but Mm -hmm. it felt very right at the time Mm -hmm. it does seem unfair Mm -hmm. that like i got a good deal from my landlord and somehow got an apartment in the school district that i could afford and uh you know there's not very many of those there and it's almost impossible it it would be impossible for somebody to move there and just live there for the schools unless they got lucky like i did so now i i uh i realize that like yeah, every school should kind of be like Grandview. Like, if we have to build more schools to mm-hmm. make the classes smaller, yeah.
1: maybe we should just do that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no. That's the that's the randomness, and I do think I agree with you. I think there's something peculiar about that being a story of Central Ohio that so many people relate to. Right. It's like, yeah, my brother is in one of those like Columbus, Texas, Gehanna schools, doing whatever he could to know that as his daughter, my niece, approaches kindergarten, that she's in a good school district. Right. And it, there, there's this is no accident. This is connected to federal policy. It's connected to state policy. I'm focused on the federal, but we are one of the most economically segregated places in the country. If you are born here, you are more likely to die poor here than almost anywhere else in the United States of America. And that is connected to policy that has reinforced inequality through things like mortgage lending practices at the federal level through educational systems and I believe our generation is kind of saying like hey enough is enough we need to fix the core issues that have led to these outcomes not continue to just put band-aids on things and pretend like anything's getting better because we're reaching the end of this experiment right I've met people that moved out of the Columbus district went to canal Winchester thought they were safe and then they learn oh wait that elementary school that you thought you're going to qualify for well you're on the wrong side of the street yes Mm. so now Too bad, and what are you gonna move again? I mean,
2: (laughs) you know, the interesting thing about Grandview is that the houses on either side of Grandview High School are not in the Grandview School District, they have to travel in to columbus mm-hmm. to do a columbus school and it's mm-hmm. like what does that even make sense so i look it up one day uh-huh. and i find out that it was like uh uh um apparently like lines drawn to keep certain people that live like there are literally houses that they drew around <laughs> right for the school districts and i was like why are, why do we like why is this still here Like yes, why are yeah, we doing yeah. this but yeah. yeah yeah i was i was really impressed with that because it's very hard for me to like uh cuz i i didn't grow up like i like i grew up in a, like a working class neighborhood but my parents probably made more money than a lot of the people mm-hmm. that lived there so i sort of felt like rich mm-hmm. you know <laughs> until i got older but then when i got older i was like it is really unfair that like i got you know i just i got clothes mm-hmm. like my parents bought me nice clothes and mm-hmm. shoes and stuff like that and and uh it's unfair because, like, all of that stuff pushes you ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, when yeah. I mean, you go to a private school, the people that you're going to school with uh are people that are going to be doing the jobs that hire people. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I was a sociology major, and I've heard a lot about, like, even applications that have, like, a certain neighborhood as the address get thrown out a lot of times because mm-hmm. they don't want somebody that lived in the hilltop or mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh... So I I just, I commend you because I like, there is like that thing where you can be like, no, I deserved this and Mm -hmm. I worked for this. Mm -hmm. And if you want it, then you should go out and do it. Yeah, no.
1: And I, I mean, that's one of, yeah, I reject all of that. And in fact, quite the opposite. It's like my individual success is indicative of very little. I mean, certainly I've worked hard in my life, sure. But like, it's indicative of a lot of lucky breaks in many ways, and it's not possible to build a country off of people happening to get lucky breaks. Yeah. We need to have it that everybody kind of starts with like the basics covered, and actually it's not that complicated what the basics are, Housing, healthcare, jobs that pay enough to live, educational systems that are equitably funded. And then we we are saying that people actually have a fair shot at pursuing whatever their potential is. I'm also not saying that success is everybody gets to go to Stanford Law School, where I Mm -hmm. ended up. No. I mean, school is my thing. That's my thing. I'm always going to be kind of, you know, like good at school. But fair shot, live out your potential as you define it.
0: You're right, though, I, what you said earlier was very poignant was that this is like a crashing point. Like this is people know this, people consider the schools bad. Now, people are going to want to fix them that people tried moving away, tried doing all these things. Uh, millennials, our generation also thought that we could just work hard and realize that it doesn't pay off for everybody. Mm-hmm. Some people do find success, but there's a lot of us that are left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the success of my daughter revolves around the fact that I do a podcast all day and mm-hmm. I can work around her schedule and do extra tutoring <laughs> yeah. and and I can give her every extra thing that she needs um, that isn't provided by, you know, any by this by the government or mm-hmm. any of the services that are available. Um so it I think that your campaign is the right thing to do in taking up, instead of being defeated and mm-hmm. seeing how long we've, we failed because it is going to keep crashing and crashing and crashing. Mm-hmm. I don't think that things are going to look better, mm-hmm. um, economically, uh, for the city if we don't change, you know, the way things are moving.
1: Well, not, yeah. N- sorry, not to, yeah, you're fine. Up, but I mean, that's why I felt it was so urgent to, to go for this kind of campaign now, because a lot of these issues that we're talking about in Central Ohio are happening all over the country. They have been for a long time. And if we're going to solve national systemic issues, you have to have federal resources behind that. And that's why the people who represent us in Congress, so important. And I am finding, I mean, when we started this thing just as, you know, grassroots campaign the beginning of July, a couple of us, uh, you never know how that's going to take off necessarily. But I think this community is one of people who are seeing what we see and have seen it for a long time and are ready for change and ready and recognizing that the political establishment has not served us and it's going to take an entirely different type of candidate representative organization to to move things in a different direction
0: yeah that's that's this it's the bernie sanders thing uh in this much smaller scale like i said it's relevant in the big big scale and then down there because we are living alongside of each other we've seen our parents pensions get gutted mm-hmm. we saw retirements go away we saw uh the student debt crisis we are survivors of all of this stuff and we yeah. know that it's real and our you know half of my friends are not homeowners mm-hmm. and don't ever think they're going to be one mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh so it's It's more an acceptance of where we're at instead mm-hmm. of denying it and saying, you know, anybody can have the American dream, you know, yeah, and, and going with the typical democrat Republican bias that we have.
1: It's bigger than that exactly and and it's on every front, so even those of us who find ourselves in a more stable position, it's like we know that's not real, right? Hmm. And I mean, you have one medical emergency and you can't work anymore. You think we're going to be okay? I don't think I'm going to be okay. So we're not only saving for retirement given there's no pensions waiting for us, but also I, I'm saving with the back of my head of if I have some medical emergency and I have to spend thousands of dollars to care for it, well, that's also another, you know, we got to save for all of these things. So mm-hmm. it's it's not it's not sustainable mm-hmm. and uh, and we don't have to live like this.
0: So, I, I, so you're challenging Democrat Joyce Beatty for mm-hmm. her seat right yes how has that been received <laughs> <laughs> i mean i mean how is it like uh are they do they feel betrayed by you i know a lot of there's democrat establishments uh-huh. uh people um are do they just want you to or do they want you to reform the system or keep quiet i mean are
1: mm-hmm. they I mean i heard every reason under the sun why this was a bad idea uh that it would be the end of my career in central ohio in the state of ohio politically maybe beyond politically you know any job uh and and in many ways that showed to me all the more reason why it was important to do because i don't really believe that the democratic party should be about suppressing voices and different policy positions, which is where I've been coming from with this entire campaign. Uh, no, we have a lot of issues that have plagued our community that the existing leadership and existing ideas are not addressing. And we should have every idea on the table and be inclusive of different voices and perspectives on what might address these issues, not try to crush Morgan Harper because she's presenting, you know, an alternative platform. Mm-hmm. What a what a waste of resources. talk right. about a waste of resources. Right. What a waste of resources. <laughs> uh, and what I've loved is that. We've been building, you know, I heard all of that and, you know, you won't be able to raise any money. Okay. Well, now we've raised over $600,000. No one will listen to you. Well, we've gotten media coverage from all local outlets, national, just now with you all. But, yeah. uh, but it came, right? Yeah. Uh, and that we have built a movement of people who are saying, no, we are ready to fight back. And that we've had, you know, 400 people out to hear a debate from congressional primary candidates on Super Bowl Sunday. Wow. That was not organized by the Democratic Party. That was organized by community members who recognize, hey, we've got a credible campaign here that's speaking about the truth truth and Mm -hmm. some ideas on the table let's come together as a community and hear from them and that is inspiring to me but also you know a reflection of folks realizing that the establishment has not served us Mm -hmm. and we've got to we've got to consider other other approaches here and to me it's grassroots grassroots movement building
2: absolutely i mean uh you've been out doing stuff with you you go out and organize and do things or canvas on doors you organize, yes of course and and like uh um sometimes it feels like the establishment candidates the people that have held office for a very long time like really have no idea what life is like for us And, and we were talking about this last night but i started doing street fight full-time in like 2017 so Mm -hmm. it's been a very it hasn't been a very long time and uh you know when i was a kid when i was a teenager work most places were closed at nine or ten now Mm -hmm. everything's 24 hours Mm -hmm. everything's shipped it's like an entire gig economy Mm -hmm. everything's different now Mm -hmm. from even when from even we were, three yeah. years ago mm-hmm. Think everything's different because i was driving for lyft three years ago and mm-hmm. everything has changed since mm-hmm. then and it feels like maybe uh they don't if you don't talk to the people that are are out there knocking on doors and stuff like that, you might not even know what we're facing.
1: Oh, out exactly. Here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And that was another thing that I was hearing. Cause, you know, I I wasn't like, oh, you know, I've always dreamed of being in Congress. It was like, no, I was I was working for a national housing organization and talking to people locally, including a lot of leaders, including elected officials, about their assessment of where we were at as a community. And I was a bit horrified to hear from many people of what this narrative that life in Seabus business is booming, mm. all good. It's yeah. like
0: one, one Columbus.
1: Yeah. Do you ever leave the short north or downtown? <laughs> it's like what are you talking about? You know, because I was seeing communities that I was most familiar with that haven't improved over the course of our lifetimes, or if they used to be middle class areas, they have been deteriorating, or if they're improving now, uh, it's because new people are moving in, not because anybody that's been living there speculation. is speculation. Yeah, and and we are in a crisis point more or less. And I do think it has to do with if you're an establishment, if you're an establishment candidate, you don't have to do the door knocking because you win if you just have 10 percent of people who vote for you or any percentage really with the gerrymandering. And that there's been a lot of neglect there, even among Democrats. And we see it when we're out canvassing that I meet people they've never met any political figure in their lives. These are people that are in their 70s or people that have never had their door knocked or haven't had it knocked since Barack Obama's first campaign, Mm -hmm. right? Not because of the the party's organization or the the county party's organization, and it's easy to get disconnected when you your life is downtown to a suburb and you're not really paying attention about what's happening in between, but again, we are, we have seen through our, our campaign and why we've gotten so much traction that has surprised people is that, well, we have a message that's resonating with the yeah. real lived experience of people living in the third district that are worried about healthcare costs, that are worried that jobs are not paying enough to live and that believe that you should only have to work one of those jobs to be able to cover your basic needs. Housing that's not affordable, that we are not going to be able to own homes like our parents did. I mean, the, on every issue that we're talking about in the platform, I believe that it is speaking to the experiences of those living in the third district.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, uh- uh, it's pretty easy if you just tell the truth.
1: <laughs> <You> just, like, <laughs> right.
0: It's funny. It's, I'm glad that someone much smarter than us says this. This is what we meant when we were doing. We've been doing the radio shows. Everything Morgan's saying here so eloquently. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I do have to ask, yeah, because it's a main plank of the show, uh-huh. and it's also like what I studied when I was in college. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Mass incarceration mm-hmm. freaks me out a lot. Like it's something that I'm constantly thinking about. And like, I think the main reason for that is, is the war on drugs. And, and I would like to know, I would like to get it out to the, the listeners, what your opinions are on like the war on drugs. Cause we've heard Bernie Sanders say he's going to legalize marijuana on the first day, mm-hmm. which I think is a step. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I also think that like people, far less people are going to jail for marijuana now than mm-hmm. probably ever in the history yeah. of the country. And I just, I don't I I feel like that is a good step. It's mm-hmm. I'm not against that step, but it seems like there are more steps that we can take mm-hmm. in in order to kind of draw down the war on drugs, Mm -hmm, if that makes sense. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think we need to completely revise sentencing guidelines generally, though I support what Bernie Sanders is saying on that point, too, in terms of legalizing. Um, But no, the criminal justice system was not built to really serve justice. You know, it was built to punish a lot of behaviors that we decide to criminalize. And I think that needs to change. And they target specific communities. And we see that here in the third district, that we have four times the incarceration rates in certain neighborhoods that do tend to be black Neighborhoods versus yes. neighboring white neighborhoods. That is not an accident. That is due to policies around drugs and, but also other things. It's due to disinvestment of you know these communities that the educational systems are not working. That young people are not able to find jobs that pay enough to have an alternative to a lot of this activity related to drugs. And uh, yeah, and I've seen you know had a front row seat to that. A lot of people when they come out of law school, it's quite uh, prestigious, I guess, to consider a career in prosecution or whatever. But I, I could never stomach that. I was like these yeah. rules. Or built to uphold uh, in many ways racism, white supremacy and I I can't really be part of of executing them so um, yeah, no, I, I think we need to really overhaul how we're thinking about that and also not punish people for committing even a mistake based on a system that is flawed our prison system we shouldn't have companies that are profiting off of prisons (laughs) and we need to be focused on rehabilitating people and getting them back into communities able to access employment able to access housing the same thing that we expect for every community member living here Mm -hmm. right yeah Uh, it's actually not that unique once we try once we start treating all of us with humanity i believe that we should also include those that have in their lives potentially ever committed a mistake as well
2: right one we've the one of the ways we've illustrated the disproportionate policing in black communities is that like i i've said i live in grandview uh he's lived in clintonville for a long time and i gotta tell you when when there's something going on everybody there is Totally smashed you know just drunk in public and I've seen people smoking weed and doing other stuff and it's like uh, if this was happening in Linden everybody would go to jail like everybody or on trick-or-treat night right mm-hmm, all the parents mm-hmm. are walking around with like wine Right. And they're just drinking it and you're like, Yeah, so it's okay here, but it's not okay right. there. Yeah. And that's been the best way that I've been able to articulate yeah. the disproportionate policing to people.
1: Yeah, complete double standard. And and again, it's something that our generation is more aware of, I believe. I mean, I was just at a at Gehanna Lincoln High School last week talking to a group of students, is like, What's your top issue? It's like the double standard in racism in the criminal justice system, mm-hmm. like Bingo 15 year old right <laughs> yeah, yeah. right i said
2: we were talking recent i i just said recently people were like uh cuz i i smoke weed and i drive around with it and stuff and they're like don't you worry about that and i'm like no they're not even going to look at me twice like i don't there is no fear in in me at all about it because they don't even check they mm-hmm. don't even search me now when i was younger and I looked a little scuzzier, they would pull me out of the car and mm-hmm. search me. But now that I'm a dad, it's like you can almost get away with anything. And I, I think it's so crazy to say that there isn't a double standard in policing. Like it, That is just something you like almost can't deny. You know? Right,
1: right. And also, I mean, it's an adjacent issue, but related, the police violence issue. I mean, mm-hmm. that's been a big, big topic in the third district that we have police that are supposed to be protecting us that are actually killing young people more often than not young black people. And, and that's gotta, that's gotta stop. We got to rethink how we're doing policing and public safety and, and, end that. Yeah.
0: And, And even, and even, I mean, the, the Columbus police, even just the, the, uh, the, like the, the woman that was killed by that vice officer mm-hmm. and he was just like scooted out of there you know it goes way beyond policing and straight to corruption you yeah, know yeah. Uh, and, and there's
1: a there's a role for federal government because this is a thing I, I, I talked to a lot of folks about during the campaign because a lot of these issues we think of them as local issues and we're almost kind of trained to think about them as local issues because then you have limited options for addressing them right mm-hmm. it's like okay if city council hasn't done anything if the mayor hasn't done anything then where else do you go it's like the federal government and people who represent the person representing the third district is an independent voice Mm -hmm. that is not the case that every Democrat has to be on the exact same page on every single issue and if we don't have one of the most powerful Democrats in our region The representative of the third district who's willing to call that out who's willing to be honest about police brutality is willing to call out the injustice in the criminal justice system well we don't have a lot of a lot of other places to go we need that person to really be a leader on these Mm -hmm. things and also holding other levels of government accountable
2: right the the most one of the most devastating one of the most devastating things i think is that uh um the crime bill of in the 90s right Mm -hmm. and that's a federal bill like it so if you can devastate communities with this crazy crime bill, then you can also, from the federal government, lift up communities by reversing some of that devastating stuff that was in that
1: bill. Exactly, you know? but what we usually hear is, but the federal government do it, that's when it becomes a referendum on responsible use of resources. Mm-hmm. Federal government and legislation that would actually support people before they end up in some sort of box-checking uh, position because they've been, you know, Uh, injured or whatever it's that the federal government just proactively investing in us investing in our communities is an irresponsible use of resources and that we have to end right now, because no, the irresponsible use of resources is waiting until someone has been sex trafficked to decide that they deserve a home. Mm -hmm. No, you live here, you deserve to have a home, right? And we can't have this reactionary federal policy. We have to say that, no, we can do better. And actually, that will be a more efficient use of resources to start investing in people on the front end and not wait until they start to have problems to deserve help.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's my kind of uh, selfish communism, (laughs) help everybody else and that will help me out.
1: Quite a bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it will
0: fix a lot of issues that we have. I
1: mean, we're connected. You know, it, it is. It, and it, I agree. I mean, it's kind of it's ridiculous that this is considered even uh, a joke in a way. But you know, even if you're in a safe community, and I think this really gets hit home here in Central Ohio. Like you're in Bexley, and life is good in Bexley, right? But. You go down the street at some point and i and i i'm meeting with a lot of people in even more affluent communities that recognize you know i'm tied to these economic issues as well because i want everyone in our community to be safe and that that's a threat to all of us if we don't have people that are able to lead stable lives here absolutely right
2: well and and like one of the other things about i guess the one of the other things i wanted to talk about with the war on drugs is the opioid Epidemic that it that is still half lost. Like half of my friends I grew up with are dead now, and from this thing. And mm-hmm. like I think about, say like so. I have a buddy who who like died. Like sort of slower mm-hmm. from from an overdose, right? And like I wonder how many people are just afraid to call nine one one because they're afraid that the police are gonna come and arrest everybody oh, yeah. in the house and that kills people right. a lot. And like treatment is so hard to get for mm-hmm. this I did it I I had a problem in two thousand three mm-hmm. and uh the treatment was very expensive for me and uh i think like even now most of the places i went to at that time had big long waiting lists like i'm on a waiting list now to go to therapy Mm -hmm. like i'm on a waiting list to make an appointment to go to therapy and like i've heard of so many people who had problems with opioids that went and tried to get the rehab and they said oh it's you know we can't get you in for six months Mm -hmm. and it seems like such an unfair situation that if you just even have a little bit of money you can get this taken care of. And it does, the, it, this feels like something that could be fixed from the federal level by, by, I, I don't, like, I don't really know what steps you would take to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I have like my ideas, but they're not super popular ideas. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just safe access to, safe access to the stuff that people obviously want. And mm-hmm. that's not super popular, but like, I, I just wonder, like, What do you know have you thought about maybe some steps to Mm -hmm. move in the direction of salt like trying to make this a more humane problem to fix instead of just throwing people in jail
1: yeah this is one of the main reasons that i'm backing medicare for all universal health care the fact that we have a system now where even if you have coverage from your employer which many people don't have access <laughs> yeah. to that the costs are quite high if something actually happens to you that you have mental health issues dental issues you're still going to incur a lot of expense and and especially and if you have a treat if you have a drug addiction issue the most important thing to get over that is having regular access to treatment to your point <laughs> that is affordable and so the I, I believe the way we get there is a universal healthcare system like every other industrialized nation on the planet and again not criminalizing people for their problems and that that's gonna be the way that we ensure that people have regular access and it's not just dependent on if you're rich that you can solve these problems. Mm-hmm. And by the way, being real about the fact that, which I I always find important to emphasize, that we, we neglected one epidemic in the 80s, the crack ep- epidemic, and we've seen this pattern repeat itself and it can't just be when it's certain people that we think deserve care that you're gonna get it. It's like, no, we need to build out more systemic solutions that are available to everyone to ensure that we have people that are able to be healthy, including if they have drug addiction issues. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah,
2: right that's been the most frustrating thing to me is like i've heard the story a million times that like when you're gonna quit just from my experience uh-huh. when you're gonna quit drugs uh, even like opioids if you go to a place and ask for help if they don't get you in then right you're not going to quit
1: exactly yeah yeah you need like immediate immediate care
2: you kind of need like immediate fixes and it's such a weird thing like when you hear about them opening more more rehabs in town Mm -hmm. and then people are like i don't want the rehab by my house and then uh there just isn't much for people to do and and they end up dying and it, it really it feels like a like the federal government could loosen up some of the laws around the stuff so we can meet people where they're at
1: Definitely talk because not
2: everybody the the way that rehab seems to work now is like you go in and they say you have to quit everything there's you know right now you're done and this is it and Mm -hmm. that is a very that makes you nervous when you Harvard.
1: Oh yeah. Bro, yeah, because yeah. yeah, there's a lot of stigma. Yeah, we yeah. actually we were at a uh, a town hall at OSU recently on opioid epidemic specifically and yeah, stigma was a huge theme yeah. of that conversation because you yeah, people are yeah, it's it, it's it can be embarrassing or if you have to enter an institutional setting, that's intimidating and we can have federal resources that also define a different style of care right that is more community-based that is meeting people where they're at and that's that's something that we have the ability to think creatively on we don't have to do what's always been done but it's going to take leadership that is connected to the experiences of individuals who have lived through addiction taking that back to washington to advocate for the legislative solutions that are gonna that are gonna be effective for people
0: yeah
2: and before we go i have to ask because this is our our sort of world, I'm going to ask all the questions that are important to our world, uh, like minimum wage, mm-hmm. paid sick days, like mandatory paid sick days, and uh, stable schedules mm-hmm. seem to be what most people are asking for. Uh, have you uh, have you uh, heard of any people bring? Because we don't, I don't I've never heard a Democrat say oh schedule stability for workers mm-hmm, that would mm-hmm. be great
1: you know <laughs> i, mean? yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. don't
2: think that at times it feels like they don't even know what the issues are that mm-hmm, workers mm-hmm. are facing right right you know, yeah
1: Yeah, so I am supportive of of all the things you describe, and specifically, it's one of the reasons why I'm backing Green New Deal. Green New Deal is not just about addressing the climate, though of course that is an extremely important thing that we need to be doing, but it's also a way to have a job guarantee that's creating living wage jobs, which in Central Ohio means over $20 an hour, not $15 (laughs) where the (laughs) federal government just got to, uh, in order to actually cover your basic needs, right? and that could be addressing some of the infrastructure issues, building out public transportation solutions, which is a huge issue here, as I'm sure y you all know and and bring some order to life because yeah people are you know it's funny as you as you were talking I was thinking about a woman I met in Linden when we were canvassing and she was like yeah I had an interview at at Dunkin Donuts for a job and then I was late by five minutes on the second day of training and they're like you're out you know Mm. but her daughter was sick and she just got caught up this is not sustainable the market has failed us here and we have an ability to create jobs for people that are going to address the issues happening in the community while also providing more stability and And that is what I want to see the federal government focused on, right? What I am tired of seeing the federal government focused on is entering endless military conflicts that spend a lot of money, that don't support us, that are just traumatizing generations of people. We need to get back to the basics, jobs that pay enough to live, housing, Healthcare, right? Climate that is inhabitable, and and we have to have, I believe, a new generation of leadership that's ready to just get things done, not just build careers in Washington.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. So, you, so uh, Ohio's third congressional district—that's most of Columbus, right?
1: Yes, it's a lot of Columbus, but it's it's like a big snowflake all within Franklin County, but yeah, a yeah. lot of Columbus. Yeah, I'm looking I'm trying to
0: their- there's a big hole down the middle. It looks like where like <laughs> 71 is at and or I something. Why they <laughs> like that.
1: Yeah. So weird. Yeah. It's it like
2: was- Ohio's a puzzle and we need the craziest looking pieces possible. <laughs> so, so where
0: did you so where did you grow up in Columbus?
1: I grew up on the east side near James Road.
0: Okay. Yeah. So what was your pizza place over there? <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh donato's ordering donato's oh probably. really uh, yeah there wasn't really a lot i mean the closest pizza place you could go into i guess would be mm, maybe bexley pizza plus but okay. i don't know we ended up ordering we probably pizza hut or donato's if we were ordering pizza yeah. Adam, okay which we didn't do very often <laughs> but,
2: do, but I, we gotta ask you you
0: you will you stand behind the square cut it's yeah, like, will you defend that so. in Washington <laughs> because they say that triangle pizza is the best. It's a sloppy mess. Yeah. All of it falls down.
1: <laughs> I am very loyal to the rectangular slice, though I will say that on this campaign, we probably eat Donato's once a week. Okay. <laughs> and so... I will maybe have a little break after March 17th from Donato's, but I am very loyal to that rectangular slice. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Thank you. thank yeah. you. That's what we
0: really needed to hear. <laughs> yeah, we need to know you support us. So, uh, what what is uh, what's coming up? What's the big dates uh, to remember?
1: Ooh, there are a lot of big dates coming up. So, March 4th, we have our next candidate forum, and that'll be another chance for people to hear directly from me and Representative Beatty. And Election Day, March 17th, is when people can go to the polls directly, but early voting has already started on more road and so if folks want to go knock it out it's already ha- it's already open 8 a.m to 5 p.m but we have all of that uh on our social media and if folks text my name morgan m-o-r-g-a-n to the number four four nine three nine we'll keep you keep you posted on voting location and um, and poll the uh, poll location and all of that hmm
0: And you have a great social media handle, mh408. You like
1: that? Yeah, that was really. I came up with that. I like to say it. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't take credit for organized, but I can take credit for the the handle. (laughs) Yeah, very
0: smart. So follow along with her campaign, and if you're in Columbus, get out there and vote on the 17th or do your early voting. And come
1: Uh, knock doors with us. Okay. Yeah, folks want to come knock doors. We would love to have you. It's a great way to connect to the community. Yeah. I
0: did that for the Sanders campaign,
2: and uh, it was scary. Was it? to do it again but i am going <laughs> to raise money for i'm again saying this on your show, too. I'm 100% willing to do fundraisers, but knocking on doors is terrifying <laughs> to me,
0: personally.
1: Okay, okay. Uh, Some, a lot of people think that, but then you get going and you realize, yeah. no. No, it wasn't It's that cool, bad. it's a cool way to connect with people. I will say a lot of people have pit bulls, yeah. <laughs> and that can be a little intimidating, yeah. but uh, no, we've had some great conversations, and people are really grateful to just have someone knock knock their door and yeah. actually ask them, hey, what's going on with you right now? What do you think? Yeah yeah, yeah that that's kind of refreshing it is true. people i i want to
2: say i don't want to scare people away from you I've, I've said a bunch of times you should try it if yeah. you're thinking about doing it you should definitely try it mm-hmm. but like uh but yeah people seem like very excited just to have somebody because in you know, it's that like polite. It's mm-hmm. not polite to bring up politics. Right. And everybody right. wants to give their political opinion. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. All
2: the time. Yeah. So it's like uh they're very excited to have somebody come to the door and be like, "Tell me about your politics beliefs." Right. Well,
1: and we have got to get over that view that somehow it's like yeah, it's yeah. impolite to ask people about politics. That politics is this distant thing. It's like that is what got us into this mess. <laughs> it is. is believing that we could just defer our political leadership and government to people and we'll all be okay. It's like well, when those people are taking eighty percent of their money from corporations like in the case of my opponent we can't we can't defer. Mm-hmm. We need to organize. We need to come together as a community and demand better representation that reflects the interests of people, yeah. not corporations.
0: I do remember being a part of that change too, where I would just go and say like George Bush is a terrible president, and my whole family's just like, "Were well, you? You're not supposed to say that out loud." It's like <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I have to say you can't. We can't sit here and just let, let people talk about him. You know, like yeah. he's he's a savior of the country or something. I have a completely different point of view. And, and it's a uh,
1: democracy, right? Yeah. Even if people have different views than than I have, I mean, we host community rallies every Saturday and people come out and ask me anything and and we don't always agree. But the minute we stop talking, we're in trouble. And we have had a lot of that where people are just nervous about sharing their opinions. And that's why part of the campaign has been bringing people together to open up, to share your points of view, and let's talk about the solutions that are going to address what's going on in the community that affect all of us. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you for being here. We appreciate it. Go ahead, uh, light her up with donations. Spread the yeah. word about Morgan Harper. Um, we'll get this. Po- I'll get this posted as soon as I can. Okay. Maybe today, but I'll let you know. Uh, we are Street Fight Radio. We will see you on Wednesday. Peace.